All right. Hey, 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 guys. We are back. This time we are with Ashley Epping, and Ashley is the art supervisor at The Block. And this episode, we talk about her time at Block, but mainly and a lot of it about her time at the Clio Awards, which was huge. She was there for a long time and uh, before she moved over to The Block. And we talk about all kinds of things. We talk about how she grew up as a classically trained artist and she still paints. We um, talk about her times at the Clio Awards and how she has seen some of the best ads that um, you know were ever made. She tells us about some of her favorite ads and her favorite projects there, including working on the 60th anniversary uh, film where they took the script, I guess, and flipped it on the ad people and put them in front of the camera instead of the celebrities and the models and the actors that they normally do and ask them questions, which I'm sure was uh, lots of fun because most ad people I know aren't real fond about being in front of the camera. They prefer to be behind it, at least I do. Um, we also talk about a trip she took to Milan where she went there to have meetings for the Clio Awards, ended up her partner for the business partner for that trip ended up having to come back to the U.S. and she was there by herself and ended up in a meeting in Milan between two advertising legends this uh, towards the end of the, the podcast. So stick around for that and find out who those two people were. We talk about her new job at the block as the art supervisor and all that entails and all the fun she's having over there. She can't really talk about a lot of the stuff she's doing, but um, sounds like she's getting to do a lot of really cool things there. And we also discuss how she is a coach or was a coach for the Special Olympics figure skating team. So that in itself is pretty incredible. We'll also give you the uh, website for her artwork. So you can check that out also. This is a really cool, cool episode. I think you guys are gonna enjoy it and love it. So let me know what you think. Thumbs up it, like it, share it, follow all that kind of stuff. And I'll be interested in uh, hearing what all you guys think about it. Here we go. Okay, so I want to know, first of all, where did you grow up? I grew up in Rochester, New York. So still the state of New York, but okay. a very, very different place. So were you, were you, was you, was your family artistic? Were you artistic as a kid? How did all that play out? Was it, was it one of these things where mom and dad are scientists and you just, you know, were over to drawing stuff or was <laughs> it, you, know, you came into it later in life or how did that all work out? Yeah, I was always artistic uh, because my, my grandma was a painter. Uh -huh. So she uh, watched me uh, along with my mom for many years growing up. And that's what we did. We did crafts. We made things. Um, she's very resourceful. She's very crafty. Um, we were always making. Um, my my parents um, are, are maybe artistic in their own ways, but do not have any profession in the creative field. Uh, so it, it was all... Uh, for fun, uh, up until high school, when I uh, started uh, classically training in painting, um, and it became more of a, a serious um, uh, part of my life, and uh, is what inspired me to go on into a creative field. So when you went into, so I'm assuming you were already like painting all kinds of stuff before you went to high school, and yeah. what exactly is classical like for high school did you go to a regular high school to be classically trained in painting or did you go to a like an art high school i went to a public high school that had an incredible art department so i got right. really lucky um i had a, a mentor there todd stall who kind of took me under his wing and uh showed me how art can uh help you move through life and I took to it very quickly, um, spent a lot of time in high school in the art room, um, wanted to be a doctor. And I think I spent too much time in the art room that uh, I did not have the grades to be a doctor, um, but it, it started my passion for it. Um, and then I went on to college where I, I took more um, uh 
bare boned uh, oil painting classes and learned a lot of techniques and uh, how to create everything from scratch and 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 do it all uh, like they did uh, back in the day. Really, that's yeah. cool. So, yeah. what kind of doctor did you want to be? It's a good question. I I don't know if I had a specific uh path in mind which also probably hindered uh, yeah. <laughs> any real uh legitimate uh future in it but I, I remember uh sitting down one day and uh in Panera and and my mom so lovingly said you might want to explore a few other career paths um, <laughs> uh you know maybe my my math and science grades weren't uh what they needed to be to yeah. go into medical school uh which is totally fine and it's it's funny that I've now landed in healthcare advertising because you know the world has a funny way of working out um yes, it kind of works out it does it does but it's a it's a funny thing to reflect on were your parents either one of your parents doctors no my dad's a banker um okay. and my mom runs a an ice skating rink okay yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad wanted me to be a lawyer. Okay. And I was like, I just yeah. want to shoot bands. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be with rock bands because we can be an entertainment lawyer. So then you can work uh -huh. with the bands. Like, uh, I don't, because I was like you, my my math and science grades. I think yeah. I took the same math class three or four times. Yep. I took it yeah. twice. I took part like an algebra two trig in high school. Failed the trig part. Had to retake it before I graduated. Mm -hmm. Then I went to college and I'm pretty sure I took the same class again, failed it, and then had to take it over again. Totally. That's why when I went through all the, the majors uh, that I could choose from, advertising was the only business major that didn't have to take calculus. Yeah. So I thought, okay, that sounds that sounds good to me. <laughs> yep. I went in as a business major, saw you had to take stats, yeah. immediately changed it to um, PR. Nice. And then they... I had a PR class and said, who, or an advertising class or something. I was like, who in here are advertising majors or marketing majors? And all these people raised their hand, like, what do you want to do? I want to work at an ad agency. I want to own my own ad agency. Who's a PR major? Like three, four of us raised our hands. What do you guys want to do? Nobody had a clue. <laughs> I was PR because my dad had a degree in PR. And I thought, well, that doesn't sound so bad. So totally. then I changed it to media advertising and went right. on with that. But yeah. So what do you like to paint? A lot of my work uh, is rooted in, in activism, specifically uh, gender rights, uh, disability rights, um, and sexual assault awareness and survival. So a lot of my work stems from those types of um, spaces, and I work with a lot of people. I love I love people. I think people are fascinating. Um, I love portraiture work, um, and so I. I work with a lot of people, talk to them, hear their stories, uh, capture, you know, something, a message that they want to, they want to relay or, um, you know, maybe try and hone in on some of the quieter, uh, beautiful aspects of, of their story. Um, and, and that's usually what, what sparks me and where I start. And then where I end up is always a very different place than where I started. Um, but a lot of my work comes from from topics in, in those spaces. Right. Is it are you are they portrait paintings or is it just kind of like they tell you your story and then you just go with whatever your imagination? A lot of them are portraits um, that utilize a lot of different uh, mixed media. Oil oil paints my true love, um, but uh, I've done a lot of uh, exploration with materials in the last few years. Um, sometimes they turn into very abstract type paintings as well, but uh, they always start with some type of portraiture element. Is there somewhere you can see these? Uh, there is, yeah, I do have a site. I do have a website. I do have some of my work on there. Um, and uh, yeah, I could share it with you. Okay. Do you want to tell me now or you just want to tell me later? Yeah, sure. It's ashleyclaireepping.com. So is it C-L-A-I-R or R-E or... C-L-A-I-R-E. So you went, so you went to college and you majored in advertising. Yep. And you were still painting in college. Yeah. Did you was your goal to get out of college and go into advertising or to just get out of college and be a painter? It's a great question. Uh no, I think at the time I did not I I studied fine art as well, but I did not have the courage to 
bank on myself as a full-time creative. So I spent a lot of years in roles that circled creatives, but wasn't actually the one creating. Um, I don't think I was ready to take uh, take the the bet on on myself yet. So I spent a lot of years doing very random things. I worked in art galleries for a long time. I worked in athletic uh, marketing. I, for a few years, was an agent of a very prominent artist at a very big gallery in New York City, like very random uh, roles in which I touched creativity, but I wasn't the one actually creating. Um, And so I guess my goal in college was... a good question. I don't even know what my goal was until my senior year of, of of college where my professor came over to me and I was taking a final and he whispered, uh, do you want to work at the Cleos? And I said, I didn't know what the Cleos were at the time. And yeah. I said, of course I do, because I just trusted him. <laughs> but yeah, sure. So I left the final and Googled the Cleos and uh quickly realized they're the most prominent advertising award show out there. Um, and and so that kind of started a path of me just wanting to do a good job yeah. and me wanting to surround myself with cool people. And I think the rest happened later on. So was that your first job out of college? It was. It was. Yep. Um, right. I started there as an intern. Um, and over the course of four years, worked my way to uh, program director of the Clio show. Um, so I started as an intern and uh, in my entire purpose there was to vet and watch all of the entries that came in. So I spent hundreds of hours watching reading through strategy insights and, and going through ads. Um, it was, it was a dream job. I went in every day with a coffee and a snack and I sat there for eight hours with my headphones and just watched all the ads, uh, that were entered. Um, so it was, it was, uh, college was great, but this was, this was the best masterclass I could have ever gotten in modern day advertising. Yeah. How did, so what do you think made your professor asked you if you wanted to go work at the Cleos, as opposed to like just anybody. Did you had you guys talked about something like that before? And he was just like, you know what, this Cleo job would be cool for her. I think it would work <laughs> out great. Yeah, I think so. I mean, though I didn't do great in in my uh, in my math classes, I uh, I did do pretty well in my ad classes and in those uh, creative projects. So I think uh, he and I you know, had a relationship and, and knew each other and we worked on some projects together already. So uh, he trusted that I would uh, be a good representative for the university at the time. Um, and it turned into, you know, a much bigger thing that changed the course of my career. But yeah. at the time, uh, you know, it was supposed to be a six month internship and he sent me. Was it a paid thing or unpaid? It was paid. Yep. Oh, even better. Yeah, yeah, it was totally legitimate. Yeah. It was awesome. I felt part of the team. So, and that's probably why I ended up staying for for another four years. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah God, my advertising was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I had one like real advertising class. Yeah, and I think we spent at least a third of it watching Crazy People, the movie about <laughs> Dudley Moore who gets put into an insane asylum from working at an ad agency and then comes up with all these ads. Have you seen it? Have you heard about it? I've heard about it. I have not seen it. It's really funny. But yeah. I mean, we spent at least three, four classes just watching that. I'm like, really? I mean, so you got a much better education. It sounds like not good when it came to advertising, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it, it did. It did start pretty good. So when you're at Clio's, what exactly was, so you sat there and you put on headphones and you watched everything. Did how is it? How does that actually work? So if say I'm at an ad agency, I'm a creative director, we just do some great ad that we think is wonderful and worthy mm-hmm. of an award. Mm-hmm. What happens? How does it come to you? Do they send like a brief with it? Do they just send here it is? Hope you like it. Hope you figure out what it's about. I mean, how does all that work? Yeah, they usually send us the actual content that goes out to the public. 
They a lot of times create a case study video that gives you some behind the scenes information about the creation of the work. Um, and then sometimes they'll they'll send you uh, decks like you're talking that give you some of the, the brief information um, and strategy. Okay. So you had, how many did you have to go through on average? Thousands. Thousands. I went through hundreds a day. Wow. Um, so it was, uh, uh, and, and, you know, I'm getting the behind the scenes look of everything because this is not all published to the public when something wins, you get to see the film. Um, but the entry contains a lot of information itself. So I was just learning. I was literally learning, soaking it in. Um, and this was just the online process that I was going through. And then I eventually, over these years, um, ran and attended the judging sessions. So we would pick a different location around the world each year. And we would invite all of the jurors to come sit around a big table and talk about their opinions of the work and why something was working or wasn't, what they liked, what they didn't, uh, if they thought it was original, creative. Um, and these were people from all over the world. So you got opinions and uh, voices from from all over. Uh, and I got to sit there and, and learn. Oh, and so wow. Um, and it was awesome. It was so incredible, but it did make me jealous once again. <laughs> like I, I want to be you. I want, I want my work to be talked about. I want to, uh, be making the decisions on what is and is not good work. Um, and so it, it sparked a little of that feeling again, that I, I wanted to be, uh, the one in the creative role. Oh, I bet. Did you, so who narrows it down? So you're looking at these thousands and thousands of ads that are come in at that time was that your responsibility to narrow down which ones get put in front of all the judges the whole jury of people or was it a combination of like you this is awful this is this is <laughs> wonderful this is great this is and i'll throw it in just because i'm not sure i mean how'd you know were the ones who were just you just watching like this has got to go in there and you send it to them and those you're like not so much why'd you even bother well, I didn't get to make any decisions, sadly, which uh. is okay, because, you know, who was I at the time? But um, I just made sure that they had all the right information. If they were missing the film that they entered, which, funny enough, does happen, yeah. I would be the one to, to reach out and say, hey, we need your film to judge. Um, so I was just vetting and making sure that they all looked okay to go to judging. And then once they get to judging, it's the jurors on the jury that we curate uh, that make those those decisions and each round narrow it down to uh, to the final winners. So how many do they get to at, from the start at the beginning? How many do you present to the jury? I probably can't give you real numbers, but they go through a lot of work. They go through a lot of work. It's definitely a big undertaking. Um, but we do end with that in-person judging week. And that is, uh, even though they do a lot of work up front to get narrowed down to the top, you know, top work, um, that week is so fulfilling because it's, it's all these CCOs from all over the world coming together, uh, to talk about creative what more could you want? Um, and so they all left every time feeling so inspired and uh, and the work was was worth it to put in to, to come to find the winners. You know how you chose which CCOs were going to be on the jury? Yeah, that, so that was my job. That was a that was a big role. And um, I did a lot of research, a lot of work into to figuring out who uh, who should be on which jury. If somebody had a big background in radio, then they, you know, that makes sense to be on the radio jury and whatnot. And uh, each jury, it was a big puzzle. You know, you wanted uh, each jury to have different um, uh, voices, different opinions, um, different worldviews. Uh, and so it was really fun putting it together and mm -hmm. uh, then getting to see the final product of of these 10 very different people sitting in a room together, uh, kind of making magic. It was awesome. So where were the different jurors from? Was I mean, I'm assuming every year it changes, but was say just off the top of your head, can you give me a couple of different places they were from? Yeah, they so we we had people um from let's say Wonderman Thompson, uh, Thompson, Argentina, um, Leo Burnett, 
uh, in China. We had, um, you know, a bunch of, a lot of creatives from Brazil who came. Um, of course, people from North America, Canada, the US. Um, we had people come from Mexico. Uh, I, I mean, truly everywhere wow. that you can imagine, uh, we we had representation from. Um, so we had a, encountered a lot, of, a lot of people. There were definitely people who um, uh, left really great impressions and, and were just inspiring people to be around and listen to, yeah. um, which again, gave me a little insight into a world I could, I could start to dive into. Um, so they're all probably responsible for me wanting to get into an advertising agency um for better or for worse so was there one that was do you is there any one juror that you met that you like or two or three or whatever that really made an impression on you that you remember just thinking wow this is yeah um you know i really was captured with debbie van devin she's the global cco of bml YNR. um wow. she's so thoughtful insightful uh led the the jury so wonderfully um, Sandra Bold, who's now the CCO at Wonderman Thompson in the Netherlands. She's awesome. Um, just fresh, spunky ideas. Um, we had Pablo Del Campo come, uh, who changed uh, at the face of advertising in Argentina. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. There were there were a few really really big. Uh, big time creatives that yeah. uh, definitely uh, made an impression. Was there any, out of all the, the ads you saw come through the Clio's, can you give me two or three that still stick with you as being just amazing and really well done? Yeah, definitely. Um, Viva La Volva was a big one. Um, that was that was super impactful. Um, uh I'm going through if I can if I can tell certain stories. Right. Um, but uh, <laughs> Viva La Bola was great, um, and it was always interesting to see which jurors um, voted for which pieces of work. Right. You know, different ads speak to different types of people, um, and, and then you would have somebody in the room who saw the brilliance and who fought for it, and who said, "No, we we can't. We have to award this." You know, whatever whatever they felt because of XYZ and they would get the whole room to understand their, their point and, and they would change the outcome of, of that piece. Um, that was a great one. Uh, sick kids did so many campaigns, uh, in Canada that were just like heart stoppers that were so smart and also, uh, changed behavior and, and, and saw a, um, a huge uh, increase in donations. So that was impactful and and uh, and very real work that had real outcomes. Um, and there was one film that it truly was just a film, but it uh, is called The Secret Life of Flowers. It was directed by Baz Luhrmann. It was for like an H&M collab, um, but it is, it is this like three minute film. You can find it on YouTube. It is the the score the casting the art direction the storyline is so good it's just good craft wow um, that when i when i'm in a lull or i need some some something to pick me up uh, i always pull that one up secret life of flowers secret life of flowers I would, yes. yeah Beautiful. just for the title i'd be like eh. <laughs> I know. And you know what? It didn't, it didn't, I think it won a silver, um, which is still, it's an incredible outcome, but, um, but just, I, I just appreciate the, the amount of work and the craft that went into it. Um, and it always gives me a little inspiration when I need well, it. I'm definitely going to look it up. Yeah, for I sure. yeah. I mean, just to win a silver though, at the Clio's, I mean, yeah, it's not a gold, but still. Oh yeah, I mean, huge! Come on, that's uh, to win anything. I think at the Clio's with the amount of competition that you have, and totally, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, big deal. So, at what point at Clio did you think start thinking? You know what? It's time for me to get into doing what these people are doing. 
Yeah. At what point did you seriously think about it and be like, all right, I've, it's time for me to move on? Mm-hmm. Well, the Cleos hired Tim Nudd, who at the time was the creative editor at Adweek. And they hired him to come and create a content site for Clio. Uh, so he came and he built Muse by Clio, which is still around today. Uh, and it is a creative editorial hub um, for creative coverage. Um, so he came over and this was this was built from the ground up. So, you know, little, didn't have all of the resources. We were working it out as we went. Um, and at one point he mentioned we were in the office, this was before the pandemic. And he mentioned, um, that he wanted to start a Q and a series on the site with people in the industry, but that, uh, you know, it may be kind of boring just to run their headshot with their Q and a, how cool it would be if we could have, uh, customized graphics for these headshots and, and these people's stories. And, and I remember it was, I remember this so vividly. It was a split moment where I was like, am I, am I going to raise my hand? And, and I said, Tim, you know, if, if you want, I could take a stab at creating a graphic. And he had nothing to go on. I, you know, I was a painter, like he really put a lot of trust into Did me. he know you were a painter? He did. He okay. did. Um, uh, but that was, you know, work outside of my, my office life. So, right. uh, he said, yeah, that would be great. So I went home and I literally got my paints out and I painted this graphic and digitized it. And the original graphics for Muse's Q&A series uh, were actual paintings um, that we, you know, worked in their headshots to. So so that's uh, where it started. And uh, over the years, um, you know, the pandemic happened and we had a little more time on our hands and Tim wanted to build out these Q&A series to have um, like five or six series of Q&As. And so we built custom uh, graphic uh, lines for each series, um, one for entertainment, cannabis industry, music industry, so on and so forth. Um, so was it in general, like, so the graphics, was it for each industry or for each First, like for the industry, and then each person had a different graphic, or did that graphic go on for each person's headshot. It was a, like a group of graphics that lived okay. with the same, let's say, brand identity um, for the series itself, and and would switch out. Uh, you know, kept the same identity, but maybe switched out different uh, layouts and palettes. Okay. Um, so so everybody got a custom headshot, and so at this point, we were we were putting out you know one or two Q and As a day. Um, and, wow. and so that's when I started honing in on my craft. Um, it was the pandemic. So I said, you know, Hey, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to, I need to lean in. And I spent a few months really, uh, digging deep on all of my software skills and, and figuring out, you know, what tools were, uh, available to me to create digital, real, truly digital work. Um, so we built all these series and, uh, and it was, it was awesome. And it, it grew into, you know, I ended up uh, piloting my own series with free the work as a partner and did all the, the identity for that series. We built uh, Tim created a podcast that dove into old advertising stories, uh, modern advertising stories. And I built identity for that. So it turned in, I ended up, you know, I turned into the art director of Muse by Cleo, oh, which wow. was a very organic thing, but it was exactly uh, the confidence um, that I needed to take the the big jump and, uh, and move into a full-time creative role. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of work. It was, but it was so fun. And the pandemic, you know, we had nothing to do. Oh, so yeah. I just sat there, you know, all day with materials and whatnot and uh, and just played. And that's when I really realized, oh, my gosh, I really enjoy this. And therefore, this is what I should be doing, really. So how did you move from that over to block? Was it something where it just organically happened and just you were one day you're at Clio and next thing you know some kind of offer comes in or somebody says something or did you actually 
actively go looking for a place to work? Kind of happened organically again. And I just had good people that took some some good chances on me. Um, and I was picking up some momentum with the work I was doing at Muse. And a lot of my uh, work was being, you know, put out in content and uh, had a lot of eyeballs on it. And so, um, yeah, kind of the, the position kind of came organically and I, they, they needed someone and I, I was able to step in. Um, and I, it was a very humbling experience. I, uh, as much as I knew, I did not know it all. And uh, it was awesome. It was uh, scary. It is always, um, hard to bet on yourself like that mm. um and yeah from there i just i just ran with it so what was your so tell me what was your first so your art supervisor is your title right mm -hmm. what was your first week like at block so going from cleo's to over to block totally opposite ends of this thing what was your first week like there it was learning a lot of process. There is a lot of process that goes on within advertising um, that is unique to the industry and you just have to learn it. And that's how a lot of the work gets done. Um, the creative stuff came very natural and I was very, that that was the very exciting part. Um, but you know, every, every client, every brand, you have work that just has to get done. It has to go out. They might be uh, you know, cogs in the wheel of, of your big ideas, and that's okay. But learning the process of, um, you know, what departments work together to actually produce the work um, and how you need to work with them uh, was probably the biggest learning curve. So what exactly is your, I guess, job description as art supervisor? What, what would, a, say, a normal week or month or whatever be for you? Yeah, arts. the 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 title art supervisor is pretty specific to the health ad industry. Um, it it translates to the role that an art director would have. So every week I'm working on um, maybe uh, smaller digital projects that I'm designing. I'm working on bigger booth designs, um, and then you know working towards really big. Uh, general creative concept campaigns, um, big ideas, big films working in uh, all the way from pharmaceuticals to the public health space. Um, so, and that's something I, I love about it is every day is so different. Uh, and there are different clients, different needs. Um, and so, but my role at the end of the day essentially is I'm the art director, I'm creating all the, the visuals, um, you know, on set, uh, working at uh, all the shoots and 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 that's my role at the end of the day. You kind of do everything from say graphics to photography to motion to yep. whatever else needs to be, you know, illustration, whatever. So you come up with, so a client will come to you with an idea and you'll come up with like, hey, or you or your team or whoever, you guys mm -hmm. will just be like, well, this should be this graphic with this. And then you start working on that. Or we need to do a photo shoot with this. And then you start working on that. Is that how yep. that kind of works out? Yep, totally, totally. Yeah. I, I have a you know a creative team that I work with and uh, we all own certain parts of the business. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, kind of kind of rolls very similar to, to how you're describing. So if somebody needed a graphic thing, would you just start painting or doing digitizing, you know, getting into Photoshop or whatever and start, you know, making something to make it happen. Is that, um, would you do that? And then also say it's a photography or a motion thing. Is that something where you start looking for photographers, directors, and you go, this feels right for what we, our concept here is, how's that work? Exactly. Yeah, we uh, so I'm responsible for coming up with the ideas. I'm okay. responsible for coming up with the visuals that are are um, strong enough to get to the final client round that we're all approving. And that will be handed off then to, um, you know, a CGI team or a photographer. Um, and and then from there, I will oversee the art direction and, and the completion of that project. Okay. So are you actually 
design, like actually sketching out, drawing, painting, whatever stuff that actually ends up being out there? Or is that something where you do it and you go, this is what we're thinking. And then the team goes, okay, so-and-so over here is going to be the one to actually do this and do the final of it. Yeah, it depends. A lot of the times, if it's a big, big, big idea, you need a CGI team or or mm-hmm. you need you know a film a film crew to come in. Um, but there are other times we just uh, we just created a booth, um, a pharmaceutical booth in which I literally designed the wallpaper, the curtains, the oh, wow. pillows, um, and and all of my designed work and files were printed uh on on these materials so it, it does depend on on the job itself but uh yeah you get a little taste of both so it's fun mm-hmm. to walk into a, a a massive booth with all of your your design work in it it's like uh you know i'm an art supervisor and got to play interior designer for a minute so very uh, cool yeah there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different jobs that come in so there's times where you see your work like out in the world and you're walking by or you're looking through something and there it is. And you're like, hey, I had a hand in that whole thing right there. Yep. Yep. It does happen. Um, it does happen. And it'll, you know, uh, I'm early in my career and I, I it's going to happen even more and in, in, yeah. in the future. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know if that feeling will ever go away. It's so exciting. Um, you know, you put a lot of hard work, a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. A lot, of, a lot of um you know patience into work uh and so to see it finally produced is a very uh very satisfying feeling oh yeah i was i was having lunch with a friend of mine he works at a health agency mm. and he was talking about an ad that was just getting ready to come out and they had worked on it like it was something that had taken them like three months where it yep. should have normally taken like a year or something to put together uh, but they had to rush it through and he's mm. telling me about the commercial. He's like, it's like a long commercial because of whatever. And he was, but he was telling me all the little nuances of this commercial. Like this guy's doing this at the beginning, but at the end, he's doing this. Mm-hmm. And all was, and when I saw it, I actually recognized those were the things that were happening because he had told me. Okay. But I was thinking, does everybody pick up on this? Right. You know, or is it like a subconscious thing where you know, oh, well, this dude was, I don't know. I don't say hanging out looking like he was sick on the couch, but by the end he's, you know, riding a bike or whatever it was, you know, yeah. are people catching that? And I'm assuming they are because they run this commercial nonstop. True. <laughs> True. He was yeah, so into it and so stuff. loved it. And I was like, it's cool because when I see stuff I've done and it's out, then you're like, Oh wow. You know, I did that. That's very cool. Yep. Um, the worst thing was I found out I had something in Times Square and I didn't find out until like five years after it had been there. I was like, seriously, oh, nobody oh wanted no. to tell me. It wasn't a huge thing, but it was still, it was in Times I, Square. Yeah. And that was oh a little disappointing, gosh. but yeah. I was thinking it's cool to see like the creatives on, you know, the ad side, agency side, they still get excited about seeing their stuff out there and talking about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We, uh, and we do a lot of work that um, is for HCPs. So we have to learn how to talk and and communicate effectively uh, the information that we need to get across to an HCP, a doctor who, um, you know, has gone through very different training and, and has a very different job and lifestyle. So we work so closely with our medical team and, and uh, you know, our medical reviewers to make sure that everything is exactly what it needs to do, uh, needs to be, needs to say. And it looks the way it needs to look. You got to communicate right. uh, a lot more information when you're talking to doctors um, than when you're talking to patients. So oh, yeah. different yeah. nuances. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of legal. There goes a lot of legal. A lot of legal. <laughs> yeah. So we got to get creative. Um, but sometimes those boundaries are are the best thing because you have to really think hard and, and be very strategic with, uh, you know, what you do and how you do it. Yeah. I saw somebody talking about the 15 second ads and how so you have eight or nine seconds of voiceover or whatever in the graphics but then you have a few seconds of actual video and you got to find a way to make it not boring and make it exciting and funny right. or whatever in those few seconds and it's a lot of work and to come up with these yeah. things um, in general ballpark how long does do most of these things that you are working on take from concept to actual execution? 
of it? Is it, is it a short amount of time or is it like, because so, I know sometimes in healthcare, it can go two, three years from the time they start talking about it to the time right. it's actually out into the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's usually how it goes because it has to be, you can't, yeah. you can't just push something into the world without all the right, um, you know, uh, systems in place. Mm -hmm. So it's usually a long game. It's usually two or three year process. Sometimes you come into a project in the middle of it and, and it makes it go a little faster. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a long game until you see it out into the world sometimes. Um, but it makes it that much more satisfying because you spent so much time and, and labor, uh, you know, making it perfect. How often does it happen where say you, you get it together and then you either shoot it, design it, whatever to the final. And then the client or whoever goes, you know what, we're changing this. So we're going to have to hold off on that for a minute. Cause we need it. Cause I just did something last year and it was supposed to come out like three months later, four months later, whatever it was. Yep. And they decided to do an entire rebranding of okay. the whole thing. They're still going to use what we did, yep. but now you know, it's the logos changed or the name has changed or the graphics, you know, all this stuff has changed on it because they want to rebrand it, even though they still want to use the same images, but it's a whole totally different kind of thing. Does that happen often with you guys? Uh, not as much in my experience, and it might just be the brands that I work on, but they, you know, these brands are owned by bigger companies and, um, sometimes they don't have such liberty to, to do that, um, which may work in our favor of getting things, uh, pushed forward. But yeah, a lot of times, sometimes strategy changes. That's a big one. They get new yeah. insight from doctors or, uh, research and the strategy changes. And then therefore you have to go back and kind of uh adjust your 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 work or storyline um to fit the the new narrative right is there anything you can talk about that you've you've done i guess either at block or cleo's that i guess probably more block as far as what you've actually worked on done that you were very excited about when you got it you're like this is very cool this is going to be a great thing great concept yeah. you know yeah i'm excited to work on this Unfortunately, not at the block yet. I can't talk about it, but it's, I mean, there are a few projects that are going to be um, massively impactful uh, to, and I don't say that in, in my account, but in general, uh, to the medical world, um, they're going to be very fun and creative. And I will share them when they come out. Um, but there was a project uh, at the Clio's that I worked on. We did this video for um, the 60th anniversary of the Clio Awards. And the idea of this film was to pay homage to all of the uh, past creatives that have given such major contributions to the industry. Um, so this this film was an animated illustrated video, um, but it was it was so uh different because usually you're working with celebrities or athletes and of course you have to get them to buy into how they're being portrayed or what they're saying but this was getting advertising people in front of the camera and getting them to approve how they were being portrayed and what messaging was going along with them um yeah, how was that oh my gosh it's a whole whole different ball game um Nobody gave us, you know, a massive issue, but it was it was so funny uh, flipping the script on them mm -hmm. and uh, and and having them be the ones that needed to approve uh, how they were being portrayed and and what was uh, you know the storyline uh, that we put forth. So it was really awesome. Um, it wasn't just people. We also because it was animated, we were able to include fictionalized characters that they created in ads. Um, you know, we had the most interesting man and oh, wow. uh, Mr. Clean, and, and we were able to include all these um, uh, characters in in this film as well. Uh, so it was a project that is like once in a lifetime, um, probably will never do anything yeah. like that again, but it was it was really fun um, and, and kind of put them in the spotlight for a minute and, and made them make all of those decisions on, on how they wanted to approve themselves being portrayed. Oh, that sounds very cool. Is that something yeah. you can look up on YouTube? Yeah, it's um yeah. probably under like Clio Awards 60th anniversary. All right. Okay, so totally off topic. Mm -hmm. 
I saw on LinkedIn that you were a coach for the Special Olympics figure skating. Yeah. Tell me about that. Okay, so not only are you a classically trained artist, but you can also figure skate? Yep, I, I figure skate um, to this day every week. Really? I lessons. I, uh, uh, as long as I am able to do it, I will do it. Um, but yeah, for 12, uh, probably 12 years, um, I coached a Special Olympics uh, figure skating team in Rochester um, that was oh, the most fun hour each week of, of, I look forward to it every week. Um, so we spent, you know, a few hours on the ice uh, doing lessons, but we also created uh, skating programs for everybody. So everybody got to pick whatever music they wanted, got to wear whatever they wanted. Um, I had two athletes that I, I worked, uh, that worked closely with, um, one who was, uh, had, uh, along with a few other things was, um, visually impaired. Oh, wow. And so, you know, that added another layer of, of teaching, um, because, you know, it's easy to show somebody right. and have them watch you what you're doing and, and, you know, emulate that. Um, but we had to, to find different ways to, to learn new things together. Um, and so it was a learning process for both of us. And, uh, we, found all of these cool ways to be able to um, communicate and uh, talk about what it was that we wanted to do, new tricks we wanted to learn. Um, but, you know, you're on, you're on skates, you're on two sharp blades. Uh, wow. It's, you know, not a place to be taking big risks and throwing your body into the air in different ways that you don't understand. Um so we had, to, we, you know, we wanted to make sure we, we worked together to, to make sure that we were both comfortable and understood, you know, these new things. And, uh, and he went on to uh, win a ton of medals and came oh. and was invited to skate in Bryant Park at uh, Bank of America um, event with Johnny Weir. Um, so he, he went on to do really cool things and he's still Great. skating today. Um, so sometimes I'll go back to Rochester and we bump into each other at the rink and it's fun. Um, but yeah, those were, those were the, some of the best years. When you go to the competitions, is it broken up into the different levels like that? Or is it just everybody just goes out there? Yeah, there are different levels. Um, okay. so that's a, that's a big goal is to move up levels. Right. The more you skate, the better, uh, you get. Um, so yeah, they all compete in their, in their sector. Um, they all win their award in their specific sector. Um, and yeah, and it's a it's a very big deal, and and uh, they do a few competitions a year. It's just like the the Olympics, you know. You start uh -huh. locally, you move on to nationals, and then they have worlds. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, I would think that would be great. I did, I've done some things like this thing called Flashes of Hope, where you go into the, like the kids' hospital and you shoot these kids mm -hmm. who are there and basically portraits for their families. But years ago, when I first started, I didn't first start, but I guess as I was moving slowly into shooting full-time as opposed to just shooting stuff on the side we did a thing for i was working at this place and we did a thing for um kids with down syndrome and they came mm -hmm. in and basically had a makeover and we shot them and we spent a day doing that that was the coolest still probably the coolest day i've had shooting yeah you know so i could yeah to be able to do that constantly like week after week and year after year i think that would be amazing yeah. oh the best yeah we oh. we yeah, it's so much fun, um, and uh, it's uh, hard to replicate an experience like that. Well, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, so last question. Yeah. In the advertising world, Clio, the block, anything advertising, what's the strangest, most unusual thing, or we can go do the coolest thing that's happened to you in this business since you graduated school and you started into the advertising world? Uh, so part of my role at the Clio's uh, included client relations, which sounds boring, uh, but actually entailed me traveling to over 10 countries to meet with our global clients. These clients are all CCOs of these big agencies. Um, so there was this one trip I uh, was in Milan and my business partner who, you know, we were taking all these meetings together, 
um, unexpectedly had to go back to the States. Uh, so I was there by myself and we discussed it. And, uh, and, and I said, you know, I'm happy to take on, cause we still had a week of, of meetings. And I said, I'm happy to take it on by myself. Um, not a problem. I was 24. Um, and, and yeah, it scared me a little, but I, it was one of those split decisions. Again, I said, I have to do this. Uh, and so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Um, she had to leave and, uh, I did all these meetings. There was just one meeting specifically that I was a bit nervous about. Um, and I, I was having, uh, I was meeting with Bruno Bertelli, who is the global CCO of Publicis and we were in Milan and, you know, it's a, it's a big role. And so I, uh, had, I was a little nervous. We were meeting, um, for, for coffee and talk about, you know, our, our, entries and judging and, and, you know, all of the, all of the usual things. So we're sitting there and another person walks up and I'm looking at him and I'm like, man, he looks so familiar, but I can't place him. And he looks at Bruno. He looks at me. And he, he says, I'm Dario, Dario. He could see I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is Dario, the CMO of Bottega Veneta who is a client of publicist. I'm like, oh my gosh. So now I'm sitting here with Bruno and Dario. Um, and uh, and he's like, oh, let me pull up a seat. So we're, we're all sitting there chatting and, and I'm, you know, internally freaking out because these are two legends. Um, but we had a great time. And, and that was probably one of the one of the highlights of, of all of our uh, travels, just being able to, to meet these people and talk wow. to them. And, you know, we're in the center of Italy <laughs> to... It's a, it was a pretty cool experience. Uh, yeah, I would think so. <laughs> that sounds very cool. Okay. All right. I, love it. I do have one other question. Sure. Since you've been to 10 countries with Cleo, have you, yeah. what's the coolest place you've been? Like mm. if you had to pick one spot to go back to just to hang out, where would yeah. you go? If I had to pick one spot, <clears throat> uh, I would probably say Bavaria, Germany. It was very quaint. It was very, uh, felt very local. Um, it was quiet. <laughs> they had this beautiful lake. Um, we rented a boat for like ten dollars. Needed didn't need a boat license or anything. Just took it wow. out. It was it was very relaxing. Um, really sweet town really nice people um and uh i'm italian so i'm very partial to italian food but they had they had very very good food as well so uh, i'd say if i tomorrow could get on a plane and go somewhere uh from my from my trips it would probably be bavaria okay all right well i'll have to add that to the list of places i want to go i have not been there yet but, yeah. yeah ashley thank you so much this was cool Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, it was I was so looking forward to this conversation and just talking about uh, all the different ways that we can get into this industry. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. It's been a wonderful job. Thank you.